Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray you're doing well. You say, Mother Miriam, don't you know what's going on in the world? How could we be doing well? Because we are like that little bird in the cleft of the rock on the beach with a raging storm and all is destroyed, but he is safe and peace and going tweet, tweet, tweet in the middle of the storm because we have Jesus. All our hope is in him. All our life is in him. All of that. So... If he's allowing us to experience some of his own passion, uh, Archbishop Vigneault, who said that the church is now going through uh, her passion. Um, It's our Lord's passion, and there's no other way. There's no other way. Um, If we, you know, we we hate what's going on, the the virus, what they're doing with the virus is worse than the virus. Um, The... um, the Holy Father's current motu proprio that limits uh, to the end of the destruction completely of the Latin Mass. Um, all that's happening is under our Lord's blessed providence. He died that the world might be saved. And if the world were continuing the way it was, the way it is, spiraling into evil after evil after evil, um, no one would be saved. Uh, it may be that such horrors uh, coming upon us, losing our freedoms, uh, losing our right to worship, um, may be the very um, circumstances God is allowing to bring us to our feet, and not just us who are Catholic, but the world to Christ, to salvation. Um, most people don't think of their eternity unless uh, their current circumstances are threatened. So I'm not going to continue. I've read uh, Cardinal Burke's response, uh, Gerhard, Cardinal Gerhard Mueller's response, um, I think some quotes from Bishop Athanasius Snyder. Uh, I've read other things that are very, very good in response to Traditionis Custodis. Uh, I've listened to Taylor Marshall, all these good people who know and who have collectively said that um, uh, there's no way for anyone to follow uh, the motu proprio of Francis recently because it's incoherent, it contradicts itself, there's errors in it, and the fact is, as much power as the Pope has, um, he has powers limited. And uh, when he became Pope, he took an oath not to change doctrine and not to change the liturgy. He has no power to change the Latin rite of the Church. He has no power to change it or to abrogate it or to abolish it. He has no power to do that. So um, it's it's wrong. And uh, I've listened to there are many helpful uh, things. Uh, videos, messages on the internet on it. 
that you can look up and read and and get some confidence in. Um, I don't want to continue to do that because no matter what happens, I do believe uh, Our Lady has predicted that in these days, the end times, and I think we're beginning the end times of the end times, nobody knows, but um, that the Mass will be... um, uh, what's the word she used? Um, uh, silenced. It's not silenced, but uh, will will cease in a sense. It cannot. It cannot uh, cease utterly because the world would not exist without the Eucharist to His Christ. The world would not exist. So somewhere, and even in prison, there are holy priests celebrating Mass. Um, but Our Lady said these times would come. And we need not um, cower. We need not fight the church. We need to use this time to not keep to ourselves the greatest treasure this side of heaven, which God has given us as a gift. And that is the gospel, the good news that there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved, and that is Jesus Christ, who is the head of his one holy Catholic and apostolic church. There's no other way to be saved, and there's no salvation outside the church. And again, we've talked about this before. Does that mean that some a Protestant or a Jew or a Muslim or uh, someone who's faithful or uh, someone who's been baptized, <clears throat> but they're not formally in the Catholic Church, they're not going to heaven? That's not what the Catechism says. It says that those who through no fault of their own do not know that the Catholic Church is the only church that our Lord established, but they live up to the grace they have been given. They can be saved, not that they will, but they can be saved because if we're, our hearts are toward God, um, at the end, we're going to say yes to God. Um, and and so we have hope. The God of the whole earth will do what is right. He is willing that none perish. When we perish, and there are there are millions who do perish, and hell is filled with them. And Our Lady has shown hell to the children of Fatima and uh, Saint Catherine of Genoa. Uh, I don't know if she saw hell. She did see purgatory, which are those on their way to heaven. Um, but other saints have seen hell, and. Um, it, it's full. It's full, and nobody is being released from hell. It's impossible, and the fact is that those in hell do not want to be released. They have utterly, utterly rejected God. They blame him for everything, uh, even though they say he doesn't exist. So, dear ones, um, you need to come home to the Catholic Church. You need to come home, and it doesn't mean that if you're formally in the Catholic Church, you've been baptized, you've had all your sacraments, even you may go on Sundays, every Sunday to Mass. You may look like a perfect um, Catholic on the outside and consider yourself a Catholic in good standing. But if you're living a life of sin, you are not on your way to heaven. Your baptism won't help you. We are sealed as children of God at our baptism, but there are sealed children of God in hell because they have turned from God, and by their own choice, God has given them no power on earth. Not the devil himself can separate us from the love of God in Christ. We are the only ones that can turn from him, as Adam and Eve did. 
we are the only ones that have the power to say no to God. And we have that freedom. God is willing that none perish, but we have the freedom uh, to perish if we choose that. Um, So I I would beg you, uh, if you're Catholic and you're living in sin, um, uh, repent before you go to sleep tonight because you don't know that you'll wake up in the morning. There are enough priests for you to go to. Knock on their door. Or take a plane to Madison, Wisconsin and go to uh, St. Mary's of Pine Bluff and knock on Father Richard Heilman's door. He has a bell on his door on his porch. And it could be three in the morning. And if you ring that bell, he will come down in his pajamas and he will hear your confession. So do whatever you have to do. Do not go to sleep tonight in sin. Um, Because you don't know that you have tomorrow. You do not know that you will wake up in the morning. Um, If you're a Protestant of any kind, I was an evangelical Protestant trying to save Catholics for 18 years. My first Bible study was taught by an ex-Catholic who was taught by an ex-priest who taught me that the Catholic Church was the horror of Babylon, Satan's system, a false religious system leading millions to hell, all of that. I believed it, I taught it, and God, by his infinite mercy and grace, brought me in to that church that I thought was Satan's system. It is not. It is God's system. But what do you think Satan wants? Satan wants, there's two ways uh, to eternity, two roads. They both have the sign, this way to heaven. One is the narrow road to heaven. One is the wide road to hell, our Lord said, and many are those. It's crowded, the the wide road, because the sign says this way to heaven, but it's to hell. Our devil is an angel of light. He walks around disguised as an angel of light. And since he was the greatest angel of light, Lucifer means uh, uh, angel of light, a star of, uh, he was the most intelligent, most beautiful creature God ever made. And, um, and he decided that, um, He didn't want to worship God, and furthermore, he wanted to be worshipped. I, he said, will be like the Most High God. I will be. And he turned from God and fell and took a third of the angels with him, who are the demons today, millions of them. And God sealed them in their obedience and cast them out and created hell for the devil and his angels, who are demons now. But... Hell is, you know, how some of our churches say to the um, uh, transgender and the gay community and same so those who believe in so-called same set, all of that, all are welcome. Well, hell has that sign. All are welcome. God has given us free will to make that choice. And beloved, we need to help people into heaven. We need to take down the all are welcome signs and lead them to heaven. We'll be right back after the break, beloved, and at our second break, we'll take your calls, your texts, and your emails toll-free. The number is one 511 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am with you. I am so pleased to be with you. And um, we've been talking about um, the gift of salvation and faith that God has given us. We can throw it away. We can fool people. We can't fool God. And I don't think we can fool ourselves too much, but but we can do that too. Um, I just came across, we're, we're into This is the Faith, a fabulous book, and Every once in a while, we'll interrupt that with a story or a news article or something, and then we'll continue. So it is Friday, um, the 30th of July, and um, we have the weekend before us. So um, I I hope we're praying for Cuba and its freedom uh, and that it will return to God and that the people will be free. Uh, Awful, awful, awful situation. And um, we need to pray for them. We need to pray for them. We need to pray for uh, Nigeria and South Africa. And Christians are just being slaughtered. But I saw a title, and it said, The Marvelous Story of Our Lady of Charity of Cobra, Patroness of Cuba. I didn't know this. Um, I've come across the 
veneration of this lady before in Hispanic communities, but I've never known about her. And I wonder if the people of Cuba know about her. So I'm going to read this little story. It's on the website of Tradition, Family, and Property. Um, It's the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP. Um, And it's the marvelous story of Our Lady of Charity of Cobra, patroness of Cuba. And I think it would be good for us to read this today. Our Lady has intervened all over the world in desperate, desperate situations. And um, she has come to America, Our Lady of Hope, in Wisconsin, um, uh, it's Our Lady of Hope, I think, not Our Lady of Good Help. I think it's Our Lady of Good Hope in Wisconsin, the only apparition in the United States. She's appeared, of course, we know in Guadalupe, the, the, the Americas, um, the, all over. I, I, there are very few places that Our Lady hasn't appeared. Uh, but let me read this story because we'll just have a short amount of time. <clears throat> It begins, Our Lady, and I think we should pray to her for to free the people of Cuba. Our Lady, the Blessed Virgin Mary, has many titles. Hold on now. Some titles describe her relationship with God, such as Mother of God. Many titles refer to her surpassing virtues, such as Seed of Wisdom. The most reassuring titles speak of her relationship to humanity, such as Refuge of Sinners, Mother of Good Counsel. However, many titles are connected to places by which she endears herself to nations. This article deals with one such title by telling the marvelous story of Our Lady of Charity of Cobra, patroness of Cuba. And I'm going to just take a little uh, moment here to say, prior to the break, we were talking about the, the um, I want to almost say, desperate need For anyone in sin, whether you're Catholic or not, no one is guaranteed heaven because they're Catholic. Absolutely not. If you choose to live in sin, you have chosen hell. You say, I haven't chosen hell. Oh, yes, you have, because you've barred yourself from heaven. And if you die in that state, you will be in hell for all eternity. There's no other options. So if you feel you don't have the strength, call upon Our Lady. Call upon Our Lady of uh, Perpetual Help, um, uh, Our Lady uh, that we're reading now of Charity of Cobra, Patroness of Cuba. Our Lady is Our Lady under any title. Um, Call upon her. Scream out to your spiritual mother, the mother of your Savior, and she will help you if you're sincere. The article continues, um, like many such titles, this devotion is connected to a miraculous event that is Our Lady of Charity of Cobra. Um, It begins with several ordinary people engaged in their daily work, which in this case was the gathering of salt. One day in 1612, two young Indian men, Rodrigo and Juan de Hoyas, and one child, 10-year-old Juan Moreno, went into the Bay of uh, Nipi. I, I may be pronouncing some of these words wrong. I, I've never taken up Spanish. Um, in a small boat to collect salt. The exact process by which they gathered it is uncertain, but the salt was used to preserve meat. They were returning to the port town of San Diego del Prado, which is today is called El Cobra, when a storm arose. Their lives were in danger. 
Juan Moreno was wearing a medal with an image to the Blessed Mother, to whom all three prayed, just as suddenly as the storm arose, the waters calmed. The three were, these are not children's stories, beloved. This is for us. She is your mother. Whether you're Catholic or not, if you believe that God sent his son and he's the savior of the world, she's the mother of the savior of the world. She's your mother too. The article continues, the three were relieved that Our Lady had saved their lives. As they returned, they saw and then retrieved a white bundle floating in a piece of wood. The bundle turned out to be a 16-inch baked clay statue of the Blessed Mother holding our infant Redeemer in her left arm and carrying a gold cross in her right Mary's feet rested on a thin crescent moon, which in turn is carried on clouds borne by angels. Our Lord's right hand is raised in blessing, and he holds a globe in his left. The piece of wood bore the words, which translate, um, I'll try in, in, um, in Spanish, but forgive me, Yo soy la Virgen de la Caridad, which translates to, I am the Virgin of Charity. The three young men were astonished to discover that the statue and her white cloth robes, her white cloth robes were dry, given the violence of the storm only a few minutes earlier. This seemed impossible. The delivery from the storm and the discovery of the dry statue made the three sense the miraculous nature of the Virgin of Charity. They took the statue ashore and told their story throughout the village. Eventually, the figure was housed in the parish church in El Cobra. However, one day, the statue disappeared. The villagers frantically searched for it, but to no avail. One night, the searchers saw a light shining from a nearby mountain. Like the three wise men following the star of Bethlehem, they went to the light and found the statue. On that site, the local men constructed a hermitage church to serve the statue's place of veneration under the Spanish invocation of Nuestro, uh, Nuestra Señora de la Caridad del Cobra. And that, of course, would be Our Lady um, of uh, the Caridad. Um, what did I say that... Um, um, the Virgin of, of uh, Cobra. The story spread, and the chapel became a place of pilgrimage for the poor and enslaved workers in nearby mines. Over the next 70 years, devotion to Nuestra Señora de la Caridad del Cobra grew as devotees reported answered favors and miraculous cures. In 1688, the Archdiocese of Santiago, which includes El Cobra, initiated an inquiry to determine the statue's miraculous uh, reputation. The reputation of Nuestra Señora de la Caridad del Cobra increased in May of 1801 when Spanish King Carlos IV issued a declaration freeing all slaves who labored in the copper mines of El Cobra. From this action, the practice of bringing copper objects to her shrine and having them blessed near the image arose. 
on May 10, 1916, Pope Benedict XV declared Our Lady of Charity to be the patroness of Cuba. Twenty years later, a ceremony that culminated with the solemn coronation of the statue took place at a Eucharistic Congress in Santiago. When large numbers of Cuban exiles came to Miami in the wake of the Castro Revolution, many wanted to bring a historical copy of the statue with them. However, the government refused to let historical relics leave Cuba. Eventually, one was smuggled out of Havana by the Italian embassy. The embassy passed it on to the Panamanian diplomatic office. The Panamanians turned it over to the Cubans in Miami on September 8, 1960, the feast day of Our Lady of Charity, um, which is also Our Lady's Nativity. Thousands of Cuban exiles converged at Miami Stadium to welcome her. Today, she remains a symbol of hope in the face of the communist menace. Cubans flock to her shrine, imploring her intercession. Many shrines to her were established over the year, over the years. In 1973, a shrine to Nuestra Señora de la Caridad de Cobra opened near the Bay of Biscayne in Miami. In 1977, Bishop Eduardo Tomas Boza Masvidal, auxiliary, auxiliary of San Cristobal de la Habana, addressed and dedicated. Um, an oratory in her honor in the National Shrine of Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C., and the following prayer is inscribed in that oratory. I hope I can get this in just before the break. O Virgin Mary, Our Lady of Charity, filled with joy, prostrate at your feet, I entrust myself entirely to you, Virgin of Miracles, Heal the sick, console the afflicted, give hope to the destitute, preserve families from evil, protect the young and innocent. From your chapel at Cobra, watch over the just, convert sinners, fortify thy priests, and save all Christians. O loving Mother Mary, blessed Virgin of Charity, patroness of Cuba, pray for us now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And it ends by saying today, that which this article appeared, it actually appeared yesterday, July 29th, let us air, air our prayers that she will deliver Cuba from the curse of communism. Beloved, I'm going to ask every one of you, and through LifeSite News, over 40 million, I'm going to ask every one of you to pray to Our Lady of Charity that she would today, now, save Cuba. Direct every single Cuban to her shrine um, uh, or have her appear over them, uh, save them, draw, just as she did in Guadalupe where she drew nine million to her and stopped the killing and the debauchery and the idol worship. Um, We pray, dear Mother of Charity, um, Our Lady um, of Cuba, Um, We pray that you save those people, and if it is in your heart to do so, that you would appear to them in the middle of the war, in the middle of the the, uh, carnage, and 
bring them to your son. Beloved, we will be right back after this break to take your calls, your texts, and your emails toll free. The number is one 511 5483 or email at com. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Come to the St. Thomas More House of Prayer and discover the prayer that will change your life. The St. Thomas More House of Prayer is a Catholic retreat center dedicated to praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours, the prayer of the Church. The Liturgy of the Hours is prayed each day, starting with the Office of Readings at 5.30 a.m. and ending with night prayer at 8 o'clock p.m. So whether you're an individual or a group, schedule your visit today. Go to liturgyofthehours.org or call 814 676 1910. That's 814-676-1910. We would love to help you experience the Liturgy of the Hours and discover the prayer that will change your life. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved ones. We have, this is our half hour together. I love this time, and the phone lines are wide open uh, with anything on your heart whatsoever. And the toll-free number is one 511 or email at com. We have an email from Liz who writes, Mother, do you and the sisters watch TV and movies on a fairly regular basis? If so, are there any Catholic television programs and or movies that you would recommend to Catholics? We don't have television. We have a television, but it's not connected. We use it simply for videos, and we watch a video once a month. That's the extent of what we do. We don't listen to the radio. Uh, We don't even play CDs or anything else. We watch a good Catholic movie once a month by video. 
And so, yes, I can recommend good videos to you for sure. And, of course, you know of EWTN on television with many wonderful programs. So if you're able to get EWTN, that's fine. There might be other good Catholic stations, but I'm not aware of them because we don't have TV. But as far as films, I'll tell you what has become my favorite film in the world. And it's the sister's favorite film, too. It's the story uh, of St. Philip Neri, N-E-R-I. And it's called I Prefer Heaven. It's a three-hour film with an intermission in the middle. And it is as beautiful as a film could be. Uh, A life of true charity. It's extremely, exquisitely beautiful. I can't recommend it enough. So that's one. Um, The Reluctant Saint is another, the story of St. Joseph Cupertino. Uh, Any films on Our Lady, uh, Miracle of Fatima, uh, Our Lady of Lourdes. um, uh, I can't think off the top of my head. There there are so many. The Passion of Jesus Christ that Mel Gibson did. uh, my one of my very favorite films has come to the stable. Old Loretta Young, black and white from the forties, just fabulous. Um, so you know you could look on. Um, uh, there's a, a website called Formed. It's for Catholics. F O R M E D dot org, and you can sign up. And they have all kinds of things. They have things for children on there. Videos. Uh, for adults, for movies, uh, we watched I Prefer Heaven from the Formed website, um, a, f- a film on St. Barbara, um, many documentaries, teachings of all kinds, uh, those specifically for children, um, current um, uh, situations, it's, it's tremendous. So formed.org and anything on there is good and safe and holy. We have an email from Marianne who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I hope this finds you well. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me, Mother. I'm reaching out to you from Ontario, Canada, at the head of Lake Superior. Um, I love Ontario. I lived there for a number of years. My parents both are buried there. So I have an affection for Ontario. Um, And... um, Marianne writes, God bless you for speaking the truth with courage today and every day. I cried today with joy and hope the words of the Holy Spirit flowed from you um, to my thirsty ears. I struggle to express myself, so I pray you'll be able to understand me. I'm not sure why I feel compelled to write to you, but here I am, okay? My dear mom, who is 89 years old, is a faithful prayer warrior and loves Jesus. But sometimes we argue about the Latin Mass. Well, let me just start to say, you don't ever, ever, ever have to argue. Don't ever argue. If she's a faithful prayer warrior and loves Jesus, you haven't said if she's Catholic, um, but I'm guessing she's Catholic um, because you're arguing about the Latin Mass. Never, never argue. Number one, you don't have to argue with your mom of 89, that's for sure. Um, but it's not something to argue about. We can, we can uh, hopefully convince someone with good wisdom and with love but not by arguments. So let me continue the email here. I do not disagree with her arguments to keep it 
It is obviously more reverent and marked with holy beauty, but there is nothing I can do about it as we have zero access to the Mass here, and I'm sure she means the Latin Mass. I have never had a chance to attend a a version of the Latin Mass, but she has always tried to express how important it is in our level of worship to God. I have no reason to doubt her experience. Amen. Um, Marianne continues, the key here is argue. We should not be arguing at all. You're very right. And Marianne, before I go on with your email, you are the one who must lead uh, the way to not argue. You just should not be arguing with your mom. Um, We should not be arguing at all. You're right. We are on the same side. That's not even the point. It's displeasing to God, right? And I'm deeply sorry I fall into that disrespect of arguing. But she defends it as if I am against it. She gets quite defensive and it triggers something in our discourse that is not at all people. I cannot exhaust my emotional energy on a subject I cannot have a direct effect on. I do not understand, but something is going on that is unholy. I am not against the Latin Mass. This order is all we have. Lukewarm versions at best, but it's all we have. Is there some foul spirit here that causes our division? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes, Marianne. And it's on your part. Um, You don't know really what you're talking about in, in arguing with your mom. She has a deep love for the Mass of the Ages, which you have not experienced. And the Novus Ordo Mass against that Mass is very, very painful for those who have grown up with the traditional Mass. And you don't know that. Uh, you don't know your mother's heart, and you can't argue with her. You, you have no right to argue. You have no position to argue with her. Um, and you say you're not against the Latin Mass. As far as your mom is concerned, you are because you're arguing against something you don't know. And you say the Novus Order was all we have. That may not be enough of an argument for your mom. Um, um, and she says, um, is there some foul spirit here that causes our division? Absolutely. You would have no division of all, at all if your hearts were both from God. There'd be no division at all, but especially your heart, Marianne. It's Satan who causes division. It's Satan who would bring argument and division um, into Uh, the only situation you do have. God would not do that. She continues, as with the Pope and faithful priests, the argument about it is unholy. So there must be something about this Mass that the devil does not like. That's not the point. Don't blame it on the Mass. Uh, You should not be arguing. As for me, I see the pride and and possibly rebellion Lord, have mercy on me. And with my mom, it may be a religious spirit that causes her to lose her peace. I think it is. I think it is. And I think it's, I don't know how much pride and rebellion you have, but it's ignorance. You don't understand where your mom is at. And um, Marianne said, it's the kind of battle dividing people on so many fronts today. You're very right. And you cannot let it happen to you. Your mom's not at fault. You need to stop arguing. 
Marianne continues, what I'm trying to say is this. I don't know how to stand firm or talk about it with her so that she doesn't lose her peace. So I feel the Holy Spirit is saying, deep down, don't talk. The Holy Spirit is right. You don't stand firm. You can stand however you wish in your heart, but don't do that with your mom. Your mom is in pain for an immense loss that she has not having the Tridentine Mass. Don't stand firm with her. Number one, you're wrong, and you have no right to do that. Your email continues. The letter you spoke about today... uh, the one that Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano wrote. Where can I find it? Can you please direct me to that source? I cannot because I don't know when I read it earlier this week. Maybe, I don't know. But if you can do a search engine for Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano plus the Latin Mass, you will come up with all kinds of things that he's written. And you can pick out the one I read, but you can read them all. Um... And you, and you say, I believe it will do the talking for me for exactly what I know in my heart. Um, Archbishop Vigano would not be arguing with your mother. He would not. Um, uh, he would sympathize with her. Um, uh, Marianne continues, that may be what I need her to hear. I, she could hear Archbishop Vigano, but don't put it on her. It's up to her if she wants to hear it. He's going to be on her side, by the way. Um, Marianne writes, maybe she feels fear is a loss, but I want her to know it is not lost. The Pope has no authority to make decisions like that. It is in God's hands. Now, your email is quite confusing, and I'm not sure what you're saying. All we have to do is stand firm. Our bishop is non-supportive and always has been. We pray for him, but speaking to him is useless, and it grieves me to say it. What Latin Mass would bring here is revival, I believe. Peace be with you, and I hope this makes sense in Christ Jesus, Mary. And actually, I think I really lost you through this email. I thought you were arguing with your mom because of her love for the Latin Mass, and you're trying to say all we have is the Novus Ordo, and she won't agree with you. I don't, I don't, it's not clear. I'd have to start from the beginning and see if I could make more sense out of it. It sounds like you might have been responding to um, what I read of Archbishop Vigano after the Pope's recent motu proprio, Traditionis Custodis. Um, the fact is, if that's what you're doing, um, and uh, you say maybe she feels fear is a loss, but I want her to know it's not lost, the, the cessation, if that's what it is, of the Latin Mass, of the Tridentine Mass, is a huge loss. There's no deeper loss that I could think of. Absolutely none in the church. There's no deeper loss than the mass that our Lord has given, the mass of the ages, and that cannot be abrogated. The Holy Father has done great, great harm to the church. Great harm. And again, it cannot be valid, but unfortunately many bishops have already stopped. The day that Road to Proprio came out, they already stopped any practice of the Latin Mass in their diocese. I want to say shame on those bishops because they have caused great, great suffering on a motu proprio that cannot be valid. Um, 
so um, and the the Holy Father never gave an order for any bishop to stop it immediately in their in their diocese. He did not. He gave. He said that any priests currently practicing the Latin Mass need to go to their bishop for approval, and he 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 gave a road to that. It wasn't to be cut off like that by the bishops in any case. So the Holy Father has done great great damage, and he has taken a path that he has no right or power to take. Um, and so to tell your mom it's not a loss. It means that you are putting a knife in her heart. You don't understand where she's at, Marianne. No one expects you to understand that. But stop arguing with her. Don't stand firm. Love your mother. Respect your mother. And uh, if she won't go to a Novus Ordo, uh, I would not force her. She can have a spiritual communion at home. Um, uh there are other things she can do, but um, don't force her and don't argue with her and don't stand firm. Um, love one another. It's exactly what we need in this age, and it's what we need to be able to help and comfort anyone. And they, we need, they need, your mother needs to be understood and respected, and that's your job, Marianne. Um, God bless all of you. I'm sorry, but that is... Oh, no, it's the music for our last break. I thought it was the end of the program. Yay. Okay, we'll be right back with our last segment. Beloved, don't go away. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as the Catholic Current... Father Robert McTague discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Praise be to Jesus. Hi, this is Joe McLean, host of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show, joining you on the Station of the Cross each weekday morning at 7 a.m., We'll keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and breaking news stories of the day. That's the Catholic Drive Time, weekday morning, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. We'll see you then. May God love you. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the Internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com.
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. I almost caught a, caught a short before. And we have one more segment and uh, 10 minutes plus for you to call in with anything on your heart if you wish. And uh, one more time, the toll-free number is one 877 5483 or email at mother at Let me see now. Um, we have an email from somebody who writes in anonymously and says, in a scenario in which a Catholic does not want to have an abortion, but also is unable to financially support their child, is adoption permissible a thousand times yes. A thousand times yes. Um, uh, To begin with, God provides for those that he creates. There's no question about that. And someone who thinks they're not able to support their child might be surprised uh, that they are able if they truly depend on God. Um, But the fact is, uh, adoption is 100% permissible. You are to be commended that you brought your baby to term and that that baby can now be given to a young family who can't have children. Um, or who have adopted others, or uh, any reason at all. It would be a wonderful gift to them. I know so many, so many parents that cannot have children, and uh, naturally, and they, they have adopted, but they want another child, or parents who can't have children at all, and they, you know, it, 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 it's a wonderful, wonderful gift you've given to give them a child that God has created through you, through your love. Um, so a hundred thousand percent times yes, absolutely yes. We have an email from Tyler who writes, are there any Bible verses that describe what the devil actually looks like? If so, could you please share them with us? I don't know of any, Tyler, except the the one that says he disguises himself as an angel of light. Um, so we don't recognize him. I mean, you know, in the garden, he was a serpent. But he must have been um, a magnificently beautiful serpent if Eve was talking to him and he didn't scare her away. So um, I think he, uh, disguising himself as an angel of light, um, he has many different appearances. Um um, but I, I, I cannot say uh, what he, I don't, I don't know of any particular verse that describes exactly what he looks like because, um, uh, he's simply a fallen angel and, uh, is not going to look very pretty, but I don't know. I don't know. We have an email from Paul who says, is common, is it common knowledge? Oh, no, it is common knowledge, Paul says, that Peter essentially betrayed Jesus by denying him on three separate occasions. That's right. How does this compare to Judas handing Jesus over, which ultimately resulted in his crucifixion? Between Peter and Judas, is one more sinful than the other? I should say so. Peter simply denied knowing him. I do not know the man. He simply denied 
being one of Jesus' company. He denied that. It was on him. Judas turned Jesus over to the Sanhedrin to have him crucified. There's a tremendous difference. One would just uh, have Peter uh, attacked. The other would have Jesus killed. Uh, There's no comparison there. And uh, Paul writes also what happened to Judas after he betrayed Jesus. I'm sure Scripture covers this at some point. Indeed, it does. But I've missed it. Do we know when and how Judas died? And was this a result of his betrayal of Jesus? It was. Scripture says that he he went out and hung himself. Um, he tried to reverse his crime. He tried to give the 30 pieces of silver back to the Jewish leaders. And um, they spit at him and, and wouldn't take it. So he did. Um, uh, let me see now. Um, yeah, he did. Um, uh, in the garden, um, uh, yes, he did. He betrayed. You could you could just look up uh, Luke, Mark fourteen, Matthew chapter twenty six, Mark chapter fourteen, Luke chapter twenty two, and it'll tell you all about Jews and the betrayal, his betrayal. Um, but yes, he cru- he hung himself right away. Right while Jesus was still alive, he went out and hung himself when he realized that his betraying Jesus resulted in his crucifixion like that. And he knew what he had done and he felt guilty. And Judas did not, if Judas is in hell, which the scriptures say he is, the son of perdition. Um, well, let me read uh, uh, Paul's last Paragraph. Lastly, is there any reason why Judas specifically was the one who betrayed Jesus? I believe it is mentioned in Scripture that Judas was a man of greed, and was most often unmor- and was often unremorseful toward those in need. But certain, surely there must have been evil in his heart for him to do something so horrible to Jesus. Right, right, right. From the beginning, Judas was hoping that Jesus was there political deliverer. That's who the Jews had been waiting for. At the time of Jesus, they were slaves to the Romans, and they were looking for the Messiah to be a military deliverer, to uh, free them from the Romans and set up his kingdom where they would, on earth, where they would rule and reign with him. And Jesus said, I did not come to set up a kingdom on earth right now. I came to set my kingdom up in the hearts of men, to bring my kingdom of peace to their hearts, that I would dwell within them. Um, When I come the second time, Jesus told us in Scripture, he will set up his kingdom. He will defeat his enemies. He will establish the new heavens and the new earth, yes. And we will rule and reign with him. But his first coming, Isaiah 53, speaks of two uh, orthodox jewish people think it speaks of two messiahs because it speaks of the reigning messiah and king and it speaks of the suffering messiah and so orthodox jewish people who do not believe in our lord believe there's two messiahs mashiach ben david mashiach ben yosef messiah son of david the messiah son of joseph and they believe the messiah son of david will come as a reigning king but the messiah uh, son of Joseph will come as a suffering servant, but there are not two messiahs. There are two. There are one messiah who had who who has two comings: first to put away sin, the second to set up his kingdom. And so Judas, who was not a spiritual man, 
he was a warrior and he was looking for Jesus to kill the Romans and rule and reign. And when Jesus didn't do that and they let him, Jesus let them capture him, who is this? What do you mean? Why do you, you're, you're our hero. You're our leader. Uh, why are you letting them spit on you and, and scourge you and do all that? And so he turned them over. He was disappointed. And he turned Jesus over to those who would crucify him, who were the Jews he came to save. Um, and then Judas realized that he had betrayed truly the Son of God. And he went to hang himself because he did not... Under, he was not remorseful. He was not. He was sorry for what he did, but he was not repentant toward God. See, many times we go to confession because we're caught, or we're sorry for what we did, or we know that we don't want to go to hell, and we confess our sins um, with fear, but not because God should be loved above all things. You see, when we have godly sorrow, we are sorry, and our heart is because we have betrayed the one who gave himself for us. That is true godly sorrow. And Judas did not have that. Did he go to hell because he betrayed Jesus? No. He went to hell because he would not repent. Maybe he was too proud. I don't know that. But he would not repent and it received the mercy of God. So, beloved, no matter what you've done, there's nothing beyond God's forgiveness. But you must repent, otherwise you choose to remain in your sin, as did Judas. Have a blessed weekend, beloved, and we'll speak with you on Monday. God bless you. Mm-hmm.